you know, um, my first car was a bomb. Not in the word that people say it's a bomb, which is a good thing now. I mean, it was a real bomb. Um, it was a 1972 TC Cortina. Anyone else have one of those pieces of uh, skill? No. Um, we, we, we painted it, uh, we pulled it out of, uh, a friend had like a, a backyard overgrown and we just pulled it out of a pile of trees. We, we painted it with a paint roller. Um, it, was, it, was a, it was a classic car. Um, it had many issues. Some of the issues it has was a, a dicky fuel gauge. Uh, and so um, it rarely worked. Anyone else got a car with a fuel gauge that is a bit de demonized, I would say, sometimes? Um, actually, before, well, a quick announcement I want to mention. If you left stuff at camp, uh, we've got lost property out in the foyer. If you're, if you're looking for some free stuff, there's plenty of stuff in the foyer as well. So, okay, back to my car. Um, I spent much of my early years with my TC Cortina uh, trying to figure out when my tank needed to be full. But when do I fill my tank? Because half the time the gauge didn't work, and if it did work, it didn't work. And so back in the day, we used to, young people, we used to have these things called jerry cans. You know, we used to, we used to, put, yeah, yeah, we used to put them in our car and we used to drive around just for the days when your fuel gauge didn't work. And, um, and so, for the hit and miss times, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Now, fast forward 35 years, um, my, my car now calculates the distance to empty. Does your car do that? I'm sure it does. It says, you've got, is that accurate? I'm not, I'm not too sure. Thankfully to this point, it's proved itself to be accurate. But there's times when it jumps like, it says I've got 30 kilometers, and next time I'm in the car, and I've driven up just down the road, and it says I've got two. Uh, and it's, it's a bit temperamental, and so you're driving along, maybe you can relate to it, you're driving along, you know your, you know your tank is looking like that. You, you know there and you're thinking, I can squeeze some extra kilometres. Why, why do we try to squeeze ex, extra kilometres? Are we trying to find a cheaper petrol station, typically? Um, are, are we thinking, you know, we can, we can just make it a bit further, or, or maybe you just, maybe you just forget, and it's just inconvenient to get petrol now. Maybe you're on a trip and you've got to get to somewhere, but you know your tank's low, and, and then all of a sudden the car gets sluggish, and all, oh my goodness, and you're thinking, ah, uh, I think I might be running out. And that's when you start praying for your car. Uh, you pray, anyone been praying? Anyone prayed for their fuel gauge? Yeah, it, it, it works. But most of the time. Anyway, so then you're in your cars, and then you hit, and then you try to accelerate really slowly because you don't want to burn extra fuel. And then you turn your air conditioner off because you don't want to burn extra fuel. And then you turn around the corner, and there's a traffic jam, and then your prayers get really intense. Anyone relate to that? And the thing is, as, as, we're, as we're driving, I, I don't know why we do this. Um, either way, when it runs out, it's inconvenient. Um, and thankfully now I have NRMA that can help, but I haven't used to use them. But I had a BMW in Victoria, and I scored a lot of fuel from NRMA, or RACV at the time. Uh, but we buy cars, and new cars, are, they've got great, you, you look at the little tags on the windscreen and you get mileage or kilometers per litre. Even the most fuel efficient cars that you buy, they will run out of fuel. 
Even our electric cars that, that you buy if you're really rich, they, they run out of charge. Even, so no matter what car you buy, no matter how efficient or how good you drive, or how well maintained you keep your car, you still need to stop and refuel. Now, uh, when, when we're at our service this morning, it's almost like we had during the announcements, sort of like my, my main point was already done. But the reality is we need to stop, no matter how good your car is, how expensive it is, how fuel efficient it is, how well you drive, it doesn't matter any of that, you still need to stop and refuel and recharge. And our life is exactly the same. You just, we just can't keep going and going and not stop to refuel. You can't just keep using your resources without taking the time to replenish them. And so I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. I want to set the context for our message. Um, now, the end of this message ends with the miracle of, of Jesus feeding uh, 5,000 people with, with two loaves and five, five fish and two loaves. You know that one. That's the end of that, but we're not going to get to the end of the story. I just want to let you know the end because that's the story we're talking about. But this is what happens before that part. And so if you've got your Bible, we're going to go to the Gospel of Mark. Um, Jesus has already begun his ministry. He's teaching throughout the villages. He's helping people. He's casting out demons. He's healing. He's loving. He's, he's doing all he can to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth to the nation and the people that were there. In Mark chapter 6, um, Jesus sends 12 disciples out. Uh, and he sends the 12 disciples out to heal the sick and cast out demons and to do the same things he was doing. And so that's the beginning of Mark chapter 6. And we pick this up at Mark chapter 6, verse 12. So the disciples went out telling everyone they, everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. The disciples, like David, were some operating out of the overflow. They'd spent time with Jesus, they'd, they'd, they'd watched Jesus do this, and they, Jesus sent them out, and they went out and they did what Jesus did, on a, and just healed and, and anointed people and cast out demons. Things were going really good. What an exciting season in their life. They were actually doing the stuff they dreamed about doing. God was moving, things were happening, lives were being changed, and uh, they were in those seasons where things were going so well. But do you know that we do have an enemy that is prowling around like a roaring lion? And when, when we are taking our kingdom for God, when we are changing lives and we are impacting people, the enemy doesn't like that. So he steps up his game. And so in the Gospel of Mark, if you're reading and just skipping through Mark chapter 6, you'll see at this point we discover that John the Baptist, who prepared the way, he was executed by King Herod. This is the, the point in the narrative that Mark writes it into the story. So all this good stuff is going on, and then all of a sudden we find trauma and tragedy. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. And we, we need to remember that Jesus was fully God and fully man. And that means that Jesus was not void of emotion or feeling. Isaiah describes Jesus as a man of sorrows and acquainted with deepest grief. Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus would die. 
And I would dare say that the death of your cousin, Jesus' cousin, I dare say that that would have impacted Jesus. I'm sure that, that he wouldn't have gone, oh, well, that's fair enough, he's gone to heaven, let's move on. I'm sure that Jesus was grieved and, and, and feeling pain because of not only the way he died, but the fact that his cousin was not here. And I'm sure it also unsettled the disciples. So as we come to chapter, after verse 30, now we come to the point where the disciples return from their ministry trip and they, they tell Jesus about all the stuff that they were doing. And I can imagine all the stories of testimonies and healing and miracles, I'm sure that was overshadowed by the death of Jesus, by the death of John. And the disciples would have been at a spiritual high. Look what God's done. But I expect them to be at a physical low. They would have been tired, busy serving, busy giving out, doing stuff for Jesus, preaching, ministering. And now, John was dead. Some of those disciples likely knew John personally. Some of those disciples likely listened to John or, or were possibly part of his crowd that followed John before Jesus came. I can imagine how they felt. Working above and beyond, doing so much, doing so much good stuff, doing ministry. Yeah, church life can be like that sometimes. There are times when, when, when things need to get done. There's seasons of business. I get that. There's, there's seasons when we've got to have rosters filled and, and all the people helping out for the barbecue today. There's seasons when we need to help and do and, and serve. That's important to us as a church because Jesus modeled to us the importance of serving. It's important we serve. But there are times we need to... So there are times we need to be like Martha, who's in the scripture, who's, who's busy serving Jesus. But Jesus knew that the disciples couldn't sustain that pace. The thing that the disciples needed after all this intense busyness was to get away for some time out. They needed some downtime. They needed to get away to a quiet place to have some quality time with Jesus. Can you feel, are there times when you need some me time? Any of you need some downtime? Any of you looking forward to your next holiday or your next getaway? Any of you saying, you know, I actually need some, some time. I'm feeling a bit like those disciples. I've been had a busy season. I've been doing a bit and, and serving in school or uni or helping out here and there at work. There's times where there's things just to say, busy? And so um, in verse 31, Jesus says, Hey guys, I'm sure he said hey guys. I know he's not recorded there, but he probably said hey guys. Let's go off to, by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. They were hungry. They were busy. And Jesus said, time out. You guys can't sustain this. You guys can't possibly think you can do it all. Let's get away. And I'm sure the disciples went, Finally, we get to have some time with Jesus. Finally, we get, to, we get to lay aside the busyness and we get some time one-on-one -on -one with Him. And so uh, they, 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 they book an Airbnb on the other side of the lake and, uh, and they hop in their boat and they start going across. You know, as I said, I'm sure you can relate to some of this. Seasons in life where we're exhausted, we're worn out, we're depleted. 
Even the sleep-in that you managed to somehow score the night before, it doesn't fix the tiredness that you have. And there's seasons in life where it seems we're so busy. Uh, sometimes it's work that makes us busy. Sometimes it's our family commitments. Sometimes it's our church commitments. Sometimes it's our sports, our studies, or the other things that we do. Sometimes it's a combination of all those things that are making us tired. And it's times like that we need to intentionally make space to get away with Jesus. To spend time with Him, to be with Him. But there are, like I said, there's times we need to be Martha and work and do and serve Jesus. There's other times we need to be like Mary, who sit with Jesus. And, and you might be here thinking, you know, we are, and we're busy enough as it is. I don't have time, I don't know how I can write Jesus into my schedule. It's really challenging. It's challenging. Let's, let's just call it for what it is. It is, it is hard, and it's getting harder to make space for Jim. Well, I'm finding it. Everyone else is finding it harder to just, just, just your pastor. Great. Okay. Um, so if you're a businessman or a professional, yeah, you have really high demands, work demands. The people you're leading, that you have opportunities. Do I take this opportunity? Do I do I do it, buy another business or extend here or do this? And all these things take part of your space and your time. If you're a young mum, you know, just finding time just to when trying to squeeze the gap when your kids are sleeping or at school, uh, the demands are high for young mums. And how do how do you, as a young mum or a young family, how do you find space to connect? Or when you've got teenagers without their licenses, your parents are driving the kids everywhere. It's fantastic when the first elders gets their license. It's a wonderful thing. They can drive all their siblings around. But you know, seasons of life get really, really busy. If you're a young person, you've got studies and jobs and two jobs, three jobs, trying to trying to get enough money to, to, to fill petrol in your tank or to do something. But we live in a world where it is difficult to spend to find space for Jesus. And I do want to encourage you, and I'm not going to talk about this much, but I want to encourage you today as we are starting our Sabbath group conversations for four weeks, and um, there's just a space you can talk about it. So if you want to talk about it with someone who may be in the same situation as you, there's an opportunity. You know, so I'm sure the disciples were looking forward to this time with Jesus. They needed it desperately. But it would seem that they had to wait. Something that was about to happen was going to demand something from the disciples. And we're going to see how Jesus responded to the demands. Then we're going to look at how, Jesus, how the disciples responded. We'll see that they had to go the extra mile, but it would seem they had nothing left in the tank. So, verse 33. But many people recognised them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns and towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat because he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Here we find an example where Jesus was interrupted. Jesus got interrupted a whole heap of times. And this is one of them where he had a plan, it was a good plan for his disciples. We're going to get some time out. But all of a sudden he saw the crowds. They were following him. And then they were running ahead of him to the place he was going. And so Jesus was presented with a, a choice between what do I do, what is good, it's good for me and my disciples to get some time, but there's people out there that need me. 
people chasing him all around. They were desperate, helpless, lonely, and lost. And as the boat pulls up, Jesus, I can imagine Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit. He just steps out of the boat and starts ministering. He starts loving. He starts helping people. And though, even though his time was, he didn't sort of say, sorry, guys, me and my mates are off to the hotel swimming pool. He dug deep. And he knew that there was need and he was able to, because, yes, he was Jesus and he was the Son of God. He was filled with the Spirit. He was continually filled. He was able to minister out of the overflow. <coughs> and so that's Jesus. But what I find interesting here is how the disciples responded. I'm sure they would have been disappointed that their plans had changed. But there's something else going on. I want you to read the next few verses. I want you to listen to the words the disciples use. And then think about, do I say the same thing? Do I respond the same way? Particularly when we're tired and busy. Uh, in verse 33, but many people recognise them. I've done that one. Uh, this next page. Verse 35. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. So they came to Jesus with a really practical problem. It was a very, I mean, it was getting late. They, they, they Googled at the time where McDonald's and Pizza Hut shut, and they said, The shops are shutting. So, Jesus, it's very practical. Let's send them away. Let's, they can go and get their own food. And um, Jesus, we don't need them to inconvenience our world. Maybe if we can send them away, we can get at least a night together. Maybe if we can get rid of the people, we can have time that we need. Because, because Jesus, you know, these people are really a little bit of an inconvenience. We don't need to deal with them. In fact, they, they can fix their own problem. If you just let them go now, before the shop shut, come on, Jesus, send them away. We really don't want to have to deal with the issue that is now coming up. Remember, this is the same group of disciples who have just come back after healing the sick and, and then casting out demons. They've just given up themselves and they've seen what God can do. But when they were depleted, they stopped looking at things from what God can do and started looking at with the world from what we can do. And we're tired and we're empty and we're depleted and really send them away because we can't, we don't want their problems. Jesus had compassion for the crowd. The disciples were inconvenienced by the crowd. For the disciples, when they were depleted, when they had nothing, the crowds, people became an inconvenience. But Jesus said to them, Okay, I'll do what you say. Is that a good idea, disciples? You're very practical. I love your, I love your idea. He didn't say that at all. He said, You feed them. Next verse. You feed them. What? How are we going to feed them? There's, there's a crowd here. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money and buy food for all these people. Can you sense their frustration? Can you, can you see it in the words they're saying? That, that when Jesus asks them to do something, they have no capacity to, to do what Jesus is asking them to do. It's a long walk to the shops. And you know, we couldn't even afford 
what you're asking. See, the disciples were running on empty. They had nothing to give. And all the muck and the sludge that, that at the bottom of my old Cortina, that stuff at the bottom of my fuel tank, that started to come up. And it started to get sluggish and it starts to affect their words and their, and their thinking and their approach. All of a sudden, the people who were once loving people and helping people, they're trying to get rid of people and saying, I've had enough of them. They're, they're, they're inconvenient to me. See, when we are depleted, when we've got nothing to give, we can be like the disciples and forget the power of God. And we start to evaluate things from what I can do, not from what God can do. And the, the disciples' world that was so big before, looking at all that God did, healing and touching and, and pouring out His Spirit upon people through them, spilling out into all the people before, now they've got nothing, they're dry as a chip. And their world has shrunk from a big world to a very, very small world. They started walking by faith and doing amazing things, and now they were walking by what they could see. And so I don't want to be too harsh on the disciples because I am often like them. Maybe you are too. There's times when my tiredness and my weariness and my busyness and my activity shrink my world. It shrinks my capacity. It shrinks my faith. It, 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 it depletes my ability to love others and my compassion for others. And not only do I miss out on, on um, encouraging and blessing others, people miss out as well. And often my words give it away, and my family are the ones to experience it first. Most of the time. And the dog. No, the dog's fine, just letting you know. But can you see with the disciples? Well, then you will see you later. Um, can, can, can you see with the disciples their words? The Bible tells us that out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. So, what's going on inside? It can communicate something that we don't really mean. I'm sure the disciples didn't really, really, on a good day, wouldn't want to do that. Of course, we want to help people. But their words showed them what's in their heart. Negativity, critical, small mind, petty, faithless words. You send them away, Jesus. What are we going to feed them with? We've got nothing to feed them with. Even if we, all the excuses keep coming when we're depleted and empty. What, what the disciples needed and what I need is time with Jesus. That's what, this is what the, whole, the whole story starts with. Let's, hey guys... Let's go aside and rest together. But it's hard to do in an increasingly busy and complex world. But it's essential and we all know that. And so, as we, as we wrap up, a couple of questions for you. Uh, how full is your tank? Okay, here's a question. For those who drove here this morning, Right now, how full is your physical petrol tank? Anyone, anyone fill up on the way? Good on you, Jerry. Anyone sort of uh, had the red light on for the last week? <laughs> Good on you, Jerry. <laughs> T 
till this morning. How full is your tank? I don't. Do, do you know the status of your tank? Are you relying purely on, on your high-tech car to tell you when you're going to run out of fuel? Do you know you're somewhere in between it's going to be okay? Are you waiting for the petrol station to drop the price? Are you going to take out a Costco membership because it's cheaper petrol? How full is your physical, how, how full is your, your spiritual tank? That's probably the question I'm really trying to have you think about this morning. How full is your tank? Are you, are you operating from faith? Or are you operating from fatigue? Do you have any, any capacity? If someone said to you, and, you're, and your tank's on low, can you take me to uh, Roman Terrace and back? Can you, have you got capacity to drive them anywhere? Have you got capacity? Are you, you think, I'm not too sure I'm going to make it. Have you got capacity in your life for when people ask something of you? Have you got capacity to give when, 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 when an opportunity comes to give? Have you got capacity to, to love or to serve or to help when someone asks something of you? Have you got capacity to, 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 to engage more with the things of God when He's calling you to? Or are you, have you got no capacity and, and, and your world is smaller and like the disciples, your words and your world and your, it's faithless and you're thinking, I couldn't do that because I'm just so empty. I'm so dry. How full is your tank? What are we going to do about it? We know what we need to do with our tank, don't we? You stop like Jerry did and you fill it up. Even, it doesn't matter how expensive it is, you just stop. If you have to, you just fill up. There's a, there is a cost to fill up your tank. There is a cost, and that cost is going to be there anywhere. And if you, if you don't do it, chances are, and you're not signed up with the NRMA, there's a greater cost because you've got to pay to get them out and to fill up $5 into your tank. How full is your tank? What, 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 what is it that fills your emotional, relational, spiritual tank? What, what nourishes your soul? How do you plug in and recharge your battery? Even if, if you don't have a car, and some of the young people may not have cars, my computer, when my computer is low on battery, or my phone, it gets really sluggish. It's, it's annoying, and you're thinking, come on, this, the page is taking longer to open, and I check my bar, and it's, it's flashing. I think, okay, I need to plug in. Friends, all I want to say is we need to plug in. We need to find ways in our life to make sure that we're connected to God to fill us and recharge us. And I believe that God has a way for us to find rest for ourselves. It's practical as much as spiritual. But like, like your car, it does require action from us to slow down, stop, and receive from Him whatever we need. Slow down, stop, receive from Him. Be refilled by Him. To be full by Him. The Bible, Jesus talks about out of our innermost being can flow rivers of living water. For some reason, if it's not flowing up, for some reason, if we're depleted, it could mean we just got some gunk, some junk that is just blocking all that God wants to do. I'm going to read one verse and then we're done. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29. This is the God we've been singing and talking about. 
He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even this side of the church will become weak and tired. Yes, some of you older people scored well sitting on that side. Robin, Dan, well done. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. I mean, this is thousands of years ago. They didn't have iPhones and Netflix and, and all this activity, but there's, there's this issue is inherent to human nature is this increasing weariness and tiredness and busyness that, and the lack of the things of God. So even young people being weak and tired, people will fall in exhaustion trying to figure out how to live in this world. But, everyone say, but... But those who trust in the Lord, your translation might say those who wait on the Lord. Another translation would say those that hope in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. This is for our soccer coaches um, and the older guys. Run and not grow weary. They will work, they will walk and not faint. Friends, Isaiah is giving us a key here this morning. A key on how we can replenish our tank. A key on how we, can, how we can be filled. How we can find the strength we need for the tasks we have. How we can increase our capacity. How we can increase our ability to love others more and to, to love God more. He gives us the key. It's waiting. It's, and I don't like waiting. Watch me in the supermarket checkout. Alice says, Mark, stay here. Don't move. Once me I'm driving my car and trying to sneak into the lane with the least people. Anyone else like that? Anyone else don't like waiting? Andrew's like that? We don't like waiting. But you know what? Same thing with God. Sometimes we just look, you haven't answered, so I'm just going to do something else. We do something else. We do something else. Isaiah tells us we need to wait on God. Slow down. Put our hope in Him. Trust Him even when it seems that things aren't working out the way we have. Trust Him, hope in Him, wait on Him, and then we will find a new strength. And that's, and that's my prayer for us this morning. New strength. I really believe God wants and God needs His people to be strong. God needs us to be filled with Him and, and infused with His power and His life in this world we live in because, because we know what's going on in the world around us. And, and if we can be people of hope and overflowing, overflowing, spilling out into our workplace, our schools, our unis, our coffee shops, our gyms, into, into the places of education and, and hospitals and, and into uh, entertainment industry all the different spaces into if we can spill out Jesus if we can be if we can allow him to fill us and keep us filled then surely we can help bring life to this world that is desperate why don't we stand and we're going to pray please power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Power to the weak and strength to the powerless. But anyone here say this morning, you know what? I'm feeling a little bit weak. I'm feeling a little bit depleted. I'm feeling like my tanks, like Jerry's, and it's been on red light all week. Anyone say, Mark, I need power.
I need strength. You read it and say, oh, I'd love that. I'd love to soar on eagle's wings. Anyone would say that to me. I'm sure that's all of us to some extent. <coughs> Father God, this morning we come before you just so mindful on how human and frail we are. How much like the disciples we are that can so easily go from spiritual highs to lows. <coughs> Lord, I just want to pray for our church family, particularly as we start a, a four-week journey toward experiencing rest in a maybe a different way. Lord, I pray that all of us would learn, whether we attend a group or not, that we'd learn how to wait on you. That we'd learn how to replenish our souls through you. And Lord, I pray that as we wait on you, that it won't be difficult or hard, but it will require effort from us. Lord, I pray you help us to find those spaces where we can connect to you in a greater way. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit, of your very Spirit that dwells in us. Lord, I thank you that your desire is for us to overflow. Your desire is for us to be so full of your grace and love and your compassion and joy and your hope and your peace that that overflows to those around us who need those very things. So Lord, help us to be a people that are full, that we don't run empty, that we run on overflow. And Jesus, I pray that you help us. Help us to talk about it. Help us to think about it. Help us to be led by your Spirit, listening to how your Spirit wants to maybe reshape us and to tweak areas of our life that can help us be better for you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.